All right, well, let's, uh, let's go ahead and pray here as we get into the Word. Heavenly Father, we just um, are, are thankful that Jesus Christ uh, came to the earth and then laid aside uh, his own um, body, himself, offered himself up on the cross for our sins, and then rose again from the dead. And so we are so thankful for your church, too, your your body, made up of the people who have come to faith uh, in Jesus. And so, um, Lord, let us just hang on to that, too, just what a blessing the church, the body of Christ is. And so, Lord, we want to take this time to lift up those in the body of Christ that are uh, that are physically ill right now. We pray for your healing power, Lord, whether it's uh, people that are struggling with uh, fighting COVID or, or uh, some other illness or disease, God, we just pray for a, a restoration of their health. Your spirit would um, just touch their bodies, God, and restore them, make them whole. And so, Lord, we also just pray um, uh, just for, in general, for us as believers, God, just as we enter into this new year, Lord, we're, we just want to be faithful to you. And whatever that means in our context, whether we're parents or grandparents or single or whatever it might be, uh, God, we just we just pray, God, you'd help us to walk faithfully before you this year. And uh, Lord, we pray that you'd be glorified. Father, I pray that your spirit would fill me right now. In Jesus' name, amen. So with New Year, New Message Series, we're going to start going through the book of Colossians. And... Um, there's a major theme there of Christ over all, and uh, it might be helpful for you to know that, um, as is often the case in a lot of the letters, Paul's letters to the churches, he's addressing an issue, a problem, uh, or sometimes multiple problems. In this case, uh, really, he's, he's, he's combating just some false teachers uh, that were just kind of saying that you know, Christ is not really all that central uh, to things. And as we'll see as we go through this letter, that Paul's making the case that Christ is central and of, over everything, <laughs> okay? And so it's, it's a great little letter, and so uh, it'll take us maybe eight or nine weeks, roughly, to get through that. I'm not making promises, but that's a rough estimate of how I have it sketched out now is eight weeks um, from starting with this one. So um, if you would, if you're able to, would you stand in honor of the reading of the Word of God? And let's read out loud together today. We've got these first eight verses in Colossians chapter 1. So let's just read aloud together. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus, by the will of God, and Timothy, our brother, to the saints and faithful brothers in Christ at Colossae, grace to you and peace from God our Father. We always thank God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, when we pray for you, since we heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and of the love that you have for all the saints Because of the hope laid up for you in heaven, of this you have heard before in the word of truth, the gospel, which has come to you as indeed the whole world it is bearing fruit and increasing as it also does among you since the day you heard it and understood the grace of God and truth. Just as you learned it from Epaphras, our beloved fellow servant, he is a faithful minister of Christ on your behalf and he has made known to us your love in the spirit. This is the word of God. Please have a seat.
let me just mention a couple of things here in those opening couple of verses. And if you, um, if you have a Bible, I encourage you to open it to Colossians chapter 1 or follow along on your device. Um, these opening verses really you know, are just typical of a letter like you would write. You'd say, hey, it's me. I'm writing to you, right? And so this is Paul saying he's an apostle of Christ Jesus um, by the will of God. So he's, he is really kind of asserting his authority, saying, God chose me to be in this position. And I think that'll become important as he goes along to make his case for uh, combating the false teachers. But he says, Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus, by the will of God and Timothy, our brother. So Timothy is with him. And he's writing to the saints, which are just uh, God's people there in Colossae, right? He says, uh, the saints and faithful brothers, grace to you and peace from God our Father. Um, in verse 3, he tells us some things. He says, we always thank God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, when we pray for you. Now, one of the things that struck me there was uh, that in his prayers for this church, um, he is praying with other people. He says we, right? We, we always thank God when we pray for you. And just reiterating the importance of uh, united prayer, gathered together for prayer, praying um, not just for our own needs, but also for the needs of others, the needs of other churches even, not being so focused locally, but thinking globally as well as just, you know, other churches, um, that either we have a relationship or, or or don't, but you know a need of. And so he's he's demonstrating for us just this habit that he is thankful to God for them and that he is um, praying regularly for for these folks that um, actually he's never really met. Um, as we will learn that he's he's never really met these people. It was um, one of their own, uh, Epaphras. Who was from? He was one of the Colossians, and he somehow came to know the Lord through Paul's ministry. And so these guys learned of the gospel from Epaphras. All right. Well, there's some things that I want to talk to you guys about here that talk about the relationship of faith, hope, and love. And there's a good bit said about it in verses uh, four, five, and six. So we're going to spend the best part of our time together here, the the, the most part of our time in those uh, three verses, really. And so, um, let's just talk about here one of the first things we notice, is that faith and love go together. Faith and love go together, right? Uh, and now, I think it's important to note that when he does say in verse 4, he says, since we heard of your faith in Christ Jesus. He's not just saying, like, faith in general or good good thoughts or whatever, faith in faith. It's faith in Jesus Christ. It's specifically faith in Jesus Christ he is commending them for because he says, I'm thanking God for you, and he's thanking God for them because of their faith in Jesus Christ. And so when it's, we talk about this faith and love going together, it's faith in Jesus Christ, right? And yes, that is something that's internal. You know, uh, you, you, can't see, you, know in, you can't see what's going on in my brain. In fact, you might not want to see what goes on in there. It's, it might be scattered sometimes, a little crazy, but, but you know, you don't know what I'm believing or not believing at, as far as um, inside there, but that does translate into some things externally, doesn't it? In uh, all this to say that, that faith in Jesus is, it, yes, it's internal, but it changes how we act. 
it changes how we think, and it changes how we speak even. Right? If we have a true faith, and it's, and it's growing in us, right? Uh, then it's going, to, um, it's going to come out in, in how we live, right? Um, I remember talking to people, various people over time, and sometimes when you start to talk, bring up talking about faith issues, they'll say, well, that's personal. And I understand kind of what that usually means I don't want to talk about it, okay, usually. Um, but uh, don't, don't go the route of saying, well, then you just don't talk about it because uh, actually we'd be disobedient to God as believers if we, we didn't talk about it. Um, but it, 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 it actually is, um, it's interpersonal, actually, <laughs> our faith. Because um, if we're, we're, we're living this faith uh, rooted in Jesus Christ, it's going to affect our relationships, how we relate to each other and so on. But there's a linkage here with uh, authentic faith in Christ being linked with love for the saints. Because that's what he says. He said there, he says in verse 4, since we heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and of the love that you have for all the saints. In John chapter 13, Jesus tells us this. He says, a new commandment I give to you, that you love one another just as I have loved you. You also are to love one another. And so he's issuing to them, you know, this command that they need to love one another, love their fellow believers. And then in verse 35, he says, by this, all people will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. So isn't that interesting that um, really that there's a witness to our love for each other, right? As we, as we live out our faith rooted in Christ Jesus, and that translates into uh, love that comes out in our speech, our actions, uh, how we interact with each other, all right? This is a witness, because it says, by this, all people will know that you're my disciples. And so, um, you know, that, just think about that, and think about how you're thinking about one another, each other, and how we are treating each other, how we are relating to each other. Is it expressive of this love that Jesus calls us to have for each other? Okay. And so the Lord is commanding us to do this. Now, it's interesting, right? So to love God's people is to love God. Because um, he says, as, just as you have loved, uh, as I have loved you, love one another. So there's this relationship between loving God and loving each other. Another verse that really speaks to this love, and um, it's, it says that uh, for God is not, Hebrews 6.10, for God is not unjust so as to overlook your work and the love that you have shown for his name in serving the saints as you still do. You see that he says the, that you have shown the love that you have shown for his name. So in loving each other, we're showing love for his name. So there is a direct link between loving God and loving each other. And you can see this in the letters to John, uh, uh, 1 John, 2 John, 3 John, lots of connections between, you know, he says, if you, if you don't love your brother, then you don't love God. It's that, it's that important, right? All right, so 
So this is, this is the first thing, that this faith and love go together, right? So we, we can see almost as an evidence there that love for each other is showing that we truly have faith rooted in Jesus Christ. So um, that's the first relationship. Now, the second relationship we see between the faith, hope, and love is this, that love springs from heavenly hope. Love springs from heavenly hope. And we get this from verse 5. Um, let me read verse 4 again. It says, Since we heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and of the love that you have for all the saints, then in verse 5 it says, Because of the hope laid up for you in heaven. Because of the hope laid up for you in heaven. It's like the source of this love and the faith that they have in Christ comes from the hope that they have in heaven. This forward-looking uh, um, hope, Christian hope, in heaven. And as he goes on, um, let me get back to, the, the, to our passage here. It says, uh, because of the hope laid up for you in heaven, right? So it's very specific. It's not just some um, generic hope, right? Um, now, if you've been around your Bible a little bit, you'll realize that when in the context like this, when it says hope, it's not saying something that you wish for. It's something that's certain, all right? So Christian hope is a certain hope. It's not a wishful thing like I'm, like I'm 90% sure it's going to happen or 90% sure that there's really a heaven or that I'm promised it if I put my faith in Jesus. No, it's a certainty, 100% certainty. So realize that, that, the, that this word hope, right? So if we have uh, our eyes fixed on this future hope in heaven, right? What happens is, what springs forth from that is love for one another, right? And a love for God. And so, some people really take issue with this, this idea of uh, kind of keeping your eyes focused on heaven. Uh, you may have even heard Oliver Wendell Holmes saying that where he said, some people are so heavenly minded, they're no earthly good. Um, and I suppose I could get his point there, but uh, that's not what Paul's saying, because actually what he's saying is if you're heavenly minded, you're very much earthly good. You're, you are actually living out your faith here on this world. It's not like uh, you're not thinking about the, thing, the things that are going on down here on earth, uh, and that you, it's, it's not that you don't want to be a good steward of the resources that God's given you and of the people that are in your life. Um, uh, you know, so, but, but just, you know, uh, I want to read for you something, uh, a, a quotation. This is from gotquestions.org. It says, the accusation that some Christians are too heavenly focused and therefore not paying enough attention to earthly matters is based on a false premise, namely that Love of God makes one less capable or less concerned with the practical affairs of the world. Being, quote, heavenly minded does not result in isolating oneself from the world, ignoring contemporary issues, or declining to be involved. Just the opposite. Being heavenly minded results in attempting to please God who has given us work to do in the world. Okay? So I'm just saying, you know, we need to combat that lie that's out there that to be heavenly minded is to be no earthly good. Um, and, and Paul's telling the Colossians that he, he's thanking God because the, the hope that they have in heaven, 
that they're certain about has really produced in them this love for each other. So there's, the, there's this relationship then. 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 3 and 4, talks about this hope. It says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to his great mercy, he has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, to an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, unfading, kept in heaven for you. Now, I'm sure that all those people that had their flights canceled would like to have known that their reservation was never going to be given up, right? Uh, I felt bad for all those folks that had, all, that had those travel plans over the holidays, and, and thousands and thousands of flights got canceled. But, but here, this, this reservation, if you will, uh, that Christ has secured for everyone who believes in him is just that. It's imperishable. It's undefiled. It's, it's the things that we, if we live for the things that are going to matter, that are going to last, right, uh, then that's just it. They won't decay. It's not like the stuff here on the earth that, you know, one day it's here, the next day it's in the trash, right, or something like that. It's, 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 it's like he's saying, it's undefiled, it's, it's imperishable, it's unfading, kept in heaven for you, this promise of heaven that Christ has secured for us because we've been forgiven by what he's done if we put our faith in him. Now, Philippians also talks about this. It says in verse uh, 20 and 21, it talks about that we're not really citizens of this world, uh, technically speaking. It says uh, in verse 20, it says, but our citizenship is in heaven, and from it we await a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform our lowly body to be like his glorious body by the power that enables him even to subject all things to himself. And isn't that, isn't that amazing? I mean, that's, that's our future, right? And every day that goes by, my body reminds me that it's getting older. I'm so thankful that my body's going to have a glorious body. I'm going to have a glorious body. It's going to be, you know, it's going to be like I feel like in my mind. You know, my mind, I'm 25. You know, but everything else says that I'm not, right? Um, I don't know why 25, but it was—it just seemed like it was a good age, you know. You know, I I could run up and down the court, and I could beat Alan every time I wanted to. Uh, that's and my knees didn't hurt. I didn't have to ice, yeah. Um, but uh, uh, but anyway, you know, this this that we're going to be transformed, and and this this idea that we're we're citizens of heaven. And that doesn't mean that you don't care about your citizenship here, that you don't care about being a good citizen, you know, that kind of thing. But it's saying, you know, we do, you know, citizenship to heaven does trump all other citizenships. Okay, let me just say that. All right, this is, we, we're citizens of heaven, and we're, if you're, if you're a child of God, you put your faith in Christ, then, then we want to do, live our lives uh, according to how citizens of heaven should, should live. And our Savior has, um, and, and you know, has, has told us how He wants us to live our lives, and the Scriptures tell us. Um, but this is something we can be sure about: is that heaven is is sure. Um, we have another scripture here, First Peter one thirteen. It says, "Therefore, preparing your minds for action and being sober-minded, set your hope fully on the grace that will be brought to you." 
at the revelation of Jesus Christ. <clears throat> Interesting scripture. It's basically saying, you know, don't set your heart on all these things down here because those things can change and go south real quickly. Um, it's not like we shouldn't enjoy the things of this world. That's not the point. But he's saying, you know, don't really put your full hope in these things. You really want to put your hope in, in the Lord and the grace, it says, the hope fully to be brought to you and the grace that will be brought to you as, as when the Lord comes back. We want to put our hope in that. And so it, it's like you want to invest in the things um, that are going to pay off. Does that make sense? I mean, it, it not, I don't want to make it sound like it's just a transaction, but um, <clears throat> Linda and I, <clears throat> whoa, <clears throat> whew, Linda and I, uh, once a year, get together with a financial advisor. We talk about, you know, the, you know where are things uh, with money that we put into a retirement account or whatever and all this stuff. And uh, then you try, to make, you try to make some decisions, which are really just kind of like throwing an educated dart at the wall because um, nobody knows the future, all right, <clears throat> uh, except the Lord. And so, but you try to be responsible. And, and so, because you, you want to make those, you know, financially speaking, you want to make those investments um, the best you can, right? That's being a good steward. Um, but even more so, Right, uh, I, and I've been, think, been thinking about this, like you know, as I as I as we live our lives this year, all right, because you know, starting a new year is always an opportunity to be thinking afresh about things. Sometimes, you know, is my life prioritized properly? Right? Am I am I am I am I investing my my life in people? Right? Because that's really. You know, honestly, you guys, that's what's going to last. People's souls in the Word of God. That's it. Okay. And, and so we need to say, you know, am I, am I investing in people's souls, right? Spiritually speaking, are we making investments in them? And that, that could take, um, um, take, take uh, the life of, of, you know, meeting some physical needs for sure. But also realizing, you know, they have spiritual needs, and they need to know Christ if they don't. And, and we want to, we've got that message, um, and we need to carry it to them. So we need to set our, our hope fully on that future, all right? And that's what he's saying. Prepare your minds for action. Be sober-minded. Set your hope fully on the grace that will be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. And if we put our hope there, we won't be disappointed. Um, we can we can disappoint each other here. Uh, circumstances will disappoint us, and um, and so we want to make sure that we put our hope in the proper places. Um, there's um, there's a pastor by the name of Sam Storms, and he wrote about um, this idea of keeping our focus uh, on the future as believers. And let me just read to you a couple of things that he mentions regarding the benefits of focusing on our heavenly hope, okay? Two things. One thing he says, uh, a contemplative focus on heaven enables us to respond appropriately to the injustices of life. You hear that? Let me say it again. A contemplative focus on heaven enables us to respond appropriately to the injustices of life. Essential to heavenly joy 
is witnessing the vindication of righteousness and the judgment of evil. Okay? See, we, you know, if you, if you take the attitude that I'm going to mete out justice here, you know, and, and there's nothing wrong with seeking justice here, but we have imperfect systems, and I can definitely tell you that, um, as good as they might try to be for justice, okay? But what we can't, what we do know is uh, there will be a, a vindication of righteousness and a judgment of evil in the end. He says, only from our anticipation of this new perspective of heaven from which we one day will look back and evaluate what now seems senseless can, be, can we be empowered to endure this world in all its ugliness and moral deformity. He's really saying, you know, you want to hang your hope on heaven and that things will be made right there, regardless of what is done here. And that can help us endure injustices now. Okay. The second thing he says, he says, a contemplative focus on heaven produces the fruit of endurance and perseverance now. The strength to endure present suffering, uh, he says, is the fruit of meditating on future satisfaction. And he, he mentions Romans 8.18. He says, Romans 8.18 is Paul's declaration that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory that is to be revealed to us. In other words, in comparison, the sufferings now will not even compare to the glories that will be revealed to us in the end. He says, we do not lose heart because we contemplate the unseen things of the future and nourish our souls with the truth that whatever we endure on this earth is producing, uh, is producing a glory far beyond all comparison. Christians are not asked to treat pain as though it were pleasure or grief as though it were joy, but to bring all earthly adversity into comparison with heavenly glory and therefore be strengthened to endure. So there's an endurance that comes from keeping our focus on what's to come, okay? And that things will be made right and that the sufferings we endure in this present time will not even compare. And we just have to, we just have to trust that, right? Because obviously that's a future thing. We're not experiencing it now maybe, you know? But so, and so that's, that's, that's faith that we know uh, and that's what hope is, Okay? I just thought that would be good to pass along, just that those, those blessings that come and the endurance that comes from really um, keeping our focus on the future. Now, the last thing I want to mention to you uh, from these verses is this, um, this linkage with the hope of heaven. So the true gospel message includes the hope of heaven. Um, just reminding you about what these verses are saying. He says in verse 5, Because of the hope laid up for you in heaven, of this you have heard before in the word of truth, the gospel. In other words, part of the message of the gospel is the hope of heaven. That's a part of it, right? right? The other part is we're sinners and we need a Savior and Christ is it, right? But part of the message is the hope of heaven. And I'll be honest with you, um, I had the hell scared out of me when I heard the gospel, literally. Uh, I, I'm, just, I'm not saying that for a fact. I'm just saying that was how I was seeing things. Is I, if there's any place I didn't want to go, it was to hell. Okay? And so um, 
That's not a bad motivation, okay? Um, but then, you know, as I grew in my faith, I realized, well, there's, there's so much more than escaping hell, right, that, that God has in store for me. Um, but I was glad that there was that fear that God put in me, um, you know, because I, I do remember sitting there with the guy that would become my brother-in-law who shared the gospel with me and just thinking, you know, I don't really know. I remember saying, I don't really know if I die tonight if I'd go to heaven. I just don't know. And I was just unsure. And so, so then I had just decided that night after our conversation that, I, that I, 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 if I did put my full trust in Christ, I could know. It wasn't a feeling I felt. It was a truth I believed. And, and the feelings come and go. You know, someday I feel like I'm a, I'm a born-again, you know, holy roller. And other days I don't, you know. Um, and that's what the guys in the college dorm used to call our room, the holy rollers. You know, I, I considered that a badge of honor um, at the time. And, uh, but, but anyway, the, the true gospel message includes the, the hope of heaven in it for sure. Um, now, in verse 6, it talks about, so, so end of verse 5 says, Of this you have heard before in the word of truth, the gospel, which has come to you, as indeed in the whole world it's bearing fruit and increasing, as it does among you. Isn't that an interesting picture? He's saying, you know, this gospel is, is going worldwide, and it is worldwide. He said, and it's bearing fruit, right? And think about it bearing fruit in every country. Right, in every place where there's a people group, the gospel is, is, is spreading, it's increasing, and it's bearing fruit. He says, just, so, just as it is amongst you, Colossians, in your little area. Right? He said, it's spread to you. Um, and so, as I think about this, I, there was just some gospel facts I get out of these verses here. The one is that the gospel of Jesus Christ is true, because he talks about it as the word of truth, Right? And then he says, um, in the end of verse 6, he says, since the day you heard of it and understood the, the grace of God in truth, this is the truth. And he's saying, as opposed to falsehood. He's trying, again, this is some hints of some of the stuff that are coming to come in the letter. He's saying in the opening, there are some people who are saying that this is not true or this is not all there is. There's maybe a higher knowledge that you need to have, Right? But he's saying, no, this is the true gospel, this gospel of Jesus Christ. And that the gospel, he says in verse 6, is life-changing. This, this whole idea of it bearing fruit is changed lives. Changed lives. If, if, my friend, if you are a believer, your life has changed if you have real faith. Okay? Your life has changed. I mean, incrementally maybe. Sometimes in growth spurts, sometimes, you know, you have these plateaus, but it's, it's growing, it's changed. You know, as you look back over time, there's, there's a growth in godliness there. Yes, ups and downs. Yes, sometimes we get off the path and by God's grace repent and get back on. You know, that happens, um, but it's, the gospel is life-changing, right? And, and we need to remember that. That the power is in the gospel, right, as it says in Romans 1.16. Now, some other things, though, is that the gospel is bearing fruit all over the world. And I just wanted to remind you guys, uh, you, you may forget because it's a, like a line item on a budget or something that you don't even see. 
we, tend, we try to remind you that we do support some missionaries and so on. And so I wanted to just put his pictures up here. Um, on the top left, Mike, Mike and Sue Cater with Run Global. They're in Nepal. And uh, just lots of people getting saved, coming to faith, growing and multiplying like crazy. Uh, in the center bottom is uh, our sister church in Nicaragua, some of the leaders there. Uh, and so they're multiplying through church planting. Uh, they're kind of based there in Managua, but then have planted in some towns around them. All right, And then there's Michaela Roy's up here, and she's on the world race. And I know uh, many of you have been praying for her. And uh, anybody remember where she is right now? Albania. They had a little course change. They, they're in Albania right now. So she celebrated the new year in Albania. It's about, I think, maybe four, between four and five there right now, or maybe five o'clock in the evening on Sunday. Um, and so, you know, she's part of this team of people. And some of you guys might be supporting them, uh, supporting her on her trip. I know we are. Others, I'm sure, probably have. Maybe people watching have. And uh, they're taking the gospel to all these different countries and and doing acts of kindness and love in Jesus' name and sharing the gospel and praying for people. And uh, I'm sure it's, it's uh, what a time in your life, you know, to, an incredible thing to be doing. Um, but I could imagine um, that if I was doing that, uh, that, you know, you're going from these different countries and things are fluid as it gets there. Things change all the time. Plans change. It could be quite stressful, Okay. So I thought what we would do is we'd leave her a video voice message today, okay? Um, so there's an app that she uses called Marco Polo, uh, and you can just, it's like leaving a voicemail message, but it's video. And so I thought what we could do is just, just, uh, just say a quick hello, I'll pan my phone, uh, you know, around and cheer her on, you know, and I'll, I'll say a quick prayer for her. And then we'll leave her a voicemail message. This is our church family. I want her to know we're praying for her. Not just a text message, but like from us, okay? So, all right. So let me, let me hopefully I can operate this right. I've done, Lynn and I did it uh, when we did Christmas lights. We were out in Grove City doing Christmas lights, and we, we shot a video. All right. So, so I'm gonna, I'll, I'll say something real quick here, and then I'll turn the, the uh, camera around. Hi, Michaela. This is Pastor Greg. Uh, we're here on Sunday morning. You can probably see your picture up here. Um, and so our church family just want to let you know we are praying for you, and we want to say hello. So everybody say hello. Cheer here on. Clap. All right. So we're just letting you know we, we know you're working hard for the gospel and everything. And so um, let me just say, I'll say a quick prayer together, church family, for Michaela. Heavenly Father, we just thank you so much that uh, the gospel is going out with the World Race team. And so, Lord, we just uh, pray that whatever their needs are right now, God, that you would supply them abundantly in Jesus' name. We pray, Lord, that as they interact with people, that your power would go with them and that people would come to genuine faith in Christ and grow in it. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. Have a great day, Michaela. All right. That's going up there. I just thought she might be encouraged by that. And that's part of our family. All right. Listen, uh, so, so it's the, the message of the gospel is going all throughout the world. And by the way, you know, anybody that's online, I'm sorry you didn't make it in the video, but uh, 
you can download the Marco Polo app and just look for Michaela Roy's on there, and you can leave your own video message, all right? Um, so, anyway. So, this, this gospel is bearing fruit all over the world, Paul's saying. And um, don't forget this, though. Um, at one point here in the passage, let me find my... He says, in verse 7, he says, Just as you learned it from Epaphras our beloved fellow servant. They learned the gospel from somebody. Okay, now that sounds very elementary, but it's an important point, is that they learned it, okay? It was transmitted to them, okay? Just like, you know, when I stand in front of the classroom and I teach somebody how to um, factor a polynomial or whatever it might be, they learned it. Well, hopefully they learned it from me or something, you know, but there, there, it's, there's a communication that has to happen, right? And let's not forget that, right? So I'm standing before you today, and I'm sure if you're a believer, you're, you're a believer today because somebody, you learned it from somebody or a multiple somebodies, right? Sunday school teachers, right? Hey, let's not forget that. Those guys that are teaching back in kick in the clubhouse uh, and even loving on the infants, uh, that's not just babysitting. Okay, those kids are getting truth installed in them, okay? And that's just as important as, as us hearing the Word of God right here, okay? That's an important ministry, um, is that the gospel is learned, right? And, and we, we just don't want to forget that, is that we need to be, we need to know the gospel message well enough that we could teach it to somebody. And it's, it's not too complicated, right? Um, in fact, when we go on our missions trips, we, 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 we teach one verse evangelism. If you, if you can just remember one verse, you can actually teach the gospel to someone. Um, so, so maybe be thinking about that this year. You know, is, is, uh, what, you know are you prepared to uh, communicate? Maybe if you don't like the word teach, communicate, okay, the gospel in a simple way. Um, you know, even if you just go on YouTube and you search one verse evangelism, I'm sure it'll show up. Actually, it used to show up. Charlie was at the top of that search. <laughs> I'm pretty sure uh, Charlie's video that he made was on that. But so the cool thing is this one guy named Epaphras got saved, and he went and took that message back, and they've got a little church. They've got a church. I mean, it's just... Somebody stepping out, somebody learning them, <laughs> teaching them, you know? All right, no emails about the grammar, please. No. <laughs> All right. Well, listen, this is, this is Paul's kind of introductory uh, communication and prayer. A lot of these themes are going to come out in the rest of the letter, all right? But um, I just pray, as Paul prayed, that that our love for one another would be known. It would like be so well-rooted in, uh, in the Lord Jesus, and, and our love would be so strong for each other and, and come out in acts, of, in deeds, that it would be known, right? Not so that we could say, look, people know about us, but so that God would get the glory, okay? Let's pray about that. Heavenly Father, we come to you this morning. We ask and pray that um, you would help us uh, to, to just realize how much Jesus has loved us, 
and, and then let that, Lord, come out of us as a love for one another. Father, I just pray um, that you would help us to see the faithfulness of Epaphras there and, and him, him going back to where he was from and sharing the good news with others. Lord, help us to be faithful in that. Lord, help us to see that authentic faith does produce practical love. And Father, we pray also that the hope of heaven would be what's driving all this. That you'd help us, Lord, to really have a heavenly perspective in thinking about how we're investing our lives. I just think about the parents that are in this room, Lord. I pray that you give them grace and power, Lord, to invest in their their kids' lives in ways that are going to have an eternal impact, Lord, on their on their minds and on their hearts and on their souls, Lord. And Lord, just help us to have our eyes fixed on heaven. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.